Hi, it's Matheus Calera. I'm the co-creator of Black Science and listening to 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> Bullseye. Like Robin Hood. Well, I was thinking like Bullseye. Kevin Costner. The Brian Adams. Oh, no. No, 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 no. We don't talk Brian Adams here ever. (laughs) Really? No, No, never. I do do it for you. No, God, no. No. What What about Ryan Adams? I don't know who that is. Who is that? Another singer. Don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure he's very talented, but I don't know him. Not, not so much, but right. just playing the rhyming game. Um, uh, Brian Adams is better on the production and writing side than he actually is in front of the microphone. I will say that. But yeah, my opinion... Yeah, and he's a little craggy. My opinion of, of him means nothing because this is 11 O'Clock Comics... Episode 853, Giggles, and I'm Vince B. Uh, Flawless victory, Vince. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am your soon-to-be number one overall draft pick, Victor Wembanyama. Wow, you're not. I'm not going to try that because I'll screw it up. You're not old, Victor. You're not Victor W. (laughs) V-dubs. Hopefully there's W there. Yeah, there has to be there has to be a W, right? Yeah, his last name is W. Yeah, Wembanyama. There you go. You're not Victor Dubs. You're Jason Wood. Everybody here together finally uh, on this this new extra average same old same old episode (laughs) brought to you. It's fun. Brought to no theme. No, no. But that's fun though. But this is another kind of fun. Yes. This is the fun you love so much. When it goes away, you miss it. Mm. Right? It's been three weeks since we were all together. It's true. Mm-hmm. And the reason... Because Vince well, is never here. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> one of the facilitators of this here uh, joint is CheapGraphicNovels.com. CheapGraphicNovels.com. Everything you need to know is in the name. If you like Omnibu, Collected Edition, Manga, they have it at CheapGraphicNovels.com. Now, I did a little cursory glance. This took zero effort on my part. As usual, you go to CheapGraphicNovels.com and you look at the main page and you're like, oh my goodness, Batman by Grant Morrison Omnibus, Volume 1, I can has it for $44.99. Well, wait a minute. Since I'm frugal, I'm going to check Amazon because, you know, big store, cheap prices. Let's see what Amazon has it for. Amazon has Batman by Grant Morrison Omnibus Volume 1 for $61.10. I don't have to tell you to do the math because it's readily apparent. It's almost $20 cheaper at CheapGraphicNovels.com. Don't mess around. Just go there. And after you place an order, here's what you want to do. You will receive uh, an email confirmation saying, thank you very much for placing an order. This is what you ordered. You're a good person. And you reply to that order confirmation saying, you know who sent me to this wonderful institution of savings? 11 o'clock comics. And once you tell them that, well, they'll say, whoa, we got to open this door for you because here, my good man or woman, uh, my good person, is a free shipping credit 
for your second order. Free shipping. That's crazy. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. Go. I wonder if uh, Cheap Graphic Novels has our book of the month. Uh, should I do a search or have you already done it? I have not. Well, I'm going to do well, this. Well, uh, let the patrons search because it is. Is it? It's T-R-E. Yeah, R-E at the end. Uh, they they actually, oh, it's out of stock. But if they did have it, it would have been 40% off. Damn. Uh, and uh, what is it? It is Sandman Mystery Theater, book one. Uh, this is the Tarantula, I think. Right? Yes. There you How go. many issues, Vince? For the, yes, for those of you who Maybe. do not have book one. It is a whopping, a whopping, strap yourself in, because it's going to be a long ride, four issues. Oof. Quality yep. over quantity. It's true. Written by who? Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Wat Magner? Matt Wagner. Mm. Wat Magner. I love it. Otherwise known as Brendan's dad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Kevin Matchstick. Yes. Yes. And Dap's doppelganger. <laughs> Completely my own Edsel. I I like Matt a lot, but I think Dap's more handsome than Matt. Anyway, I'm just saying. Illustrated by Guy, Guy Davis. Fucking Davis. Yes. I was I was gonna switch it, but that's creepy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Guy Davis. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's gone too. But mm. <sighs> I know death sucks. Wait, Guy Davis is dead. Yes. Wait, what? I'm pretty sure. Is he really? I thought he was like our age. No. Does I'm that gonna, matter? I'm going to do, I'm gonna no, do the good. search. I'm doing the search here. Guy Davis. Um, oh, oh, I don't he's think. He's alive and well, bro. Yeah, he's alive. He's, he's 57 and he's, alive and well. Guy Davis. Yay, Guy Davis is alive. Right. We, should have, we should have them both on. Seriously. <laughs> hey, did you know that, that two weeks ago you were dead? Yeah, oh greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Sorry, guy. I thank God nobody comes to us for factual information. <laughs> it's true. We're like ChatGPT up in here. <laughs> no, I will never be. We that. sound good, but we don't make any sense. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. Sandman Mystery Theater, Volume One, Tarantula is our book of the month, and we will be talking about it in what two episodes? Uh, sure. Well, no, well, no. Yeah, uh, well, well, the next uh, next episode, really. I mean, wow. Yeah, I think you're waffling. The last Thursday of the month. I'll put some maple syrup on that because you guys are waffling. Well, the twenty. It depends on if we do an episode in between the 18th and the 25th. Do we point. have to? Well, we've done three so far, so yes, we we, we got. I mean, we don't. We don't. Well, we don't have to do one before the 25th, but we have to do one. Before the first, which would be the next Thursday, so so that's yeah. All right, and um, y'all know how you can get more episodes out of us, right? Hit that Patreon, yo! Become a patron. There's a tier mm-hmm. where we have to do six a month. Yeah, and we're a little we, light. We we were we, are. we were well above that tier for a, a, a minute, but we're we're below it. So five it is. Uh, we are in the process of restructuring the Patreon. There's going to be sweeping changes. We'll tell you about them when they happen. But I think the 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 five six seven uh, episode shtick will remain because that's a that's a yes. good goal. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. goal. I would love to do eight episodes a month, but <laughs> hey, these you know, it's hard to get 
four out of these guys. So and while we're not, we're not while we're not ready to detail the sweeping changes, it is worth saying. So some of you don't let your mind run wild. Nothing that a patron is currently getting and loving is you know we're not going to take we're not going to be taking things of love that you're getting. Yes, for the most part. Um, and nothing will for the be most part. right. Nothing will be taken away from the patrons, but. The patrons will be receiving right. more, right? Yeah, the I mean, it was of, the, the the balance of scale of of how much you are contributing to the broader EOC universe's joy, and just your own joy as a patron is going to swing more in your favor, patrons. Right. We did the the the, the podcast socialism, um, you yeah, know, the community pot uh, for a good number of years. What uh, fourteen the whole rising years? Rising tide, all boats thing is now. Yeah. Um, but so now patrons will get extra episodes. So if you want yeah. those extra episodes, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. So, yeah, so for you collectors, and Lord knows we all are since we read comics, um, if you're missing an episode, it's probably because they went to a patron. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be like piddly little half hour joints. We're talking oh, no, no, full, full yeah. length episodes, two plus yeah. hours, like we do. We're not messing around. Patreon. Right. The people, the 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 many many amazing people that listen and support the show that way, will get one episode a week, like clockwork, like they always do. But the fifth and or sixth, depending on where everything falls out, will be uh, for patron ears only. Yes, and that is in addition to the hours of bonus content we give them anyway. Yes. See, whenever we sit down to record, we take the stuff that happens before and after the actual episode, and we put it together in a, in a giant audio file. Sometimes, I mean, I think the longest one was probably during convention time, topped out at like six plus hours, maybe more. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Just to, who wants to listen to that shit? I don't know. But I'm glad there's some people that do. We'll give it to you. If you yeah. want to hear it, you can have it. So there we go. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Drink roll call. I'm drinking Mr. Boring, but it's delicious. Cherry limeade. Mm. I lost 11 pounds so far. Sweet. My man. It's all water. Hey, oh, whatever, man. Now, yeah. Now, 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 now maybe you'll, you know, have a sense of humor. Oh, my oh, God. <laughs> I love I, this, I this just, week. Mm. This week, our Slack has been, I, I love the patron Slack, but. Our Slack has just been straight fire. This yeah. Um, well, here's the deal. <laughs> uh, let me encapsulate sure it. From your vantage point, it was straight fire. Right. Let me encapsulate it. Oh, well. I fucking hear like Big E the popcorn, bro. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on then. I'm talking into it. <laughs> I'm drinking. I am drinking a, a. You know, listen, there are a lot of different seltzers out there in the world. Oh, boy. I had assumed I had tasted them all. I was wrong. Uh, yeah. The wifey found a, a new, new. Well, I don't know if it's new flavor, but it's new to me. Uh, it is strawberry mango. You can't have the uh, mango. I don't like the mango normally. Like I'm not a mango person, but the that's all that's in there right now. I, I don't know if the, I don't know. I don't know if, if uh, she's boycotting grapefruit. I don't know what's going on. But mm. but but I went in there and I needed the seltzer, and that's what's in there. So I grabbed it, and it's not very good. You know when you it's not um, real good. When you make the mistake of eating something and then exerting yourself in some kind of way, and you get that little burp, that little burp, and that 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 acidic taste that comes up, that tastes mm-hmm. like mango to me. Yeah, wow. that's what mango tastes like. Yeah, 
Yeah. So you I got that. I got that here, and I got some water. So I think I'm gonna be. I'm gonna hit the water hard. I think. Wow. We both suck. Dap. What are you yeah. drinking? Uh, no, then we all suck. Wow. Um, I did. No, I did bring. I have a bottle of the Stag from Paso Robles. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon from 2021. I do have that sitting on the desk with me, but um, the patrons will hear the bonus content and will know why. But um, I'm not sure if I'm really in the mood for anything alcoholic, so I have a, a big-ass bottle of water to start. Wow. Mm. All health-conscious and stuff here. All old and stuff. Jack Lane stuff. Yeah. Clunk comics. Yeah. All right, um, let's do what we do. Let's talk some comics. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think we should lead Kumbaya style and mm. talk about something we all read. And there, were, there, were, there were several options. There were, so. yes. Well, this yes. one, I think, let's be honest, is closest to Dap's soul. So we're going to let Dap oh. talk about it. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. On, you know what I'm talking about. Do I? Yeah, Titans yes. number one. Oh, I, yeah. I, that's not what I expected you to start with. So there you go. But it's without a doubt um, closest to Dap's heart. But the concept. I, I, but I think he was. I think he, I was going to say. I think he was actually a little reticent on this one before. <gasps> I mean, well, no, I, no. I haven't said like, boo to anybody yet. Um, right. Yeah. And 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 Jason could probably just judge on my reaction that um, I'm not jumping up and down out of my seat. Um, wow. Yes, absolutely. Vince is 100% correct. Titans, the team, especially the team in this book by Tom Taylor and Nicholas Scott. And um, the colorist is Annette Kwok, letters by Wes Abbott. Um, This is, when when I think of the Titans, this is my team. This Um, is the team. (laughs) I mean, there's... uh, yeah, you've got. I mean, you can have the original, and uh, and you can have every version after it by Jurgens or whoever. But no, Cyborg, 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 Starfire. <laughs> Am I still Cyborg. <laughs> I love that Cyborg. The, the mechanical lawyer. Yeah. You have uh, Starfire, Nightwing these days, uh, Beast Boy, Forever Changeling. Someone who just goes by her first fucking name, and. Kid Flash now Flash. Oh, and, I and see course, what you Raven. did. I see what you did. Yeah, and go keep going. The other thing, when so when well, well, we'll get to it. So yeah, so this is this is my team. These the the alter egos of these characters. These are the Titans for me. So I was kind of excited when yeah we're here, and it's Tom Taylor. So of course, hey, mm-hmm. that's good shit. And and it's nice to see Nickel on a book again. Uh, and it's nice to see Cyborg as a Titan. Can I just interject something here? Yeah. I don't want it to come off as racist. Like, oh, take the black man out of the A-team. Don't belong there. Put him in this farm. It doesn't matter what color skin Cyborg's uh, sports. Right. He yeah. belongs in the Titans. 100%. 100%. It, I agree it, and I would say the same thing about Corey. If you put Corey in the Justice League, nope, she's a Titan. Oh. And and it, go, it goes for almost all of them. Dick yeah. could fit. In the in the Justice League, but, <laughs> no, you know what I mean. But yeah. I'm, it, I have no reservations about anything about Victor, except he's a Titan. Yeah, it, he just yeah, did absolutely. not fit in the Justice League. Sorry. No. I mean, I'm, I respect that you know they felt that Johns or whoever felt that uh, 
uh, or, or or was it Snyder? The, the, whoever was like, listen, let's let's bump him up. Let, let let's give him some shine, and that's great. Yeah, but I, I mean, if you but if you wanted a person of color on a team, you also have you you have other characters. You have I mean, you you've got John Stewart, who's yep. always been pretty much yep a Justice League. So it it but we're we're straying off course. Yeah, I, I I do agree with you, Vince. Um, it's it 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 starts off with a uh, well with a bang, literally. Yeah. Um, somebody is shot. Somebody who should be able to outrun a bullet uh, didn't, and of course, in typical, th- this would be Jason. Is like, listen, I love my family. I'm about to die, but I gotta make sure I say I love you to everybody first, and then Wally heads towards, well, a very familiar place. So, what 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 was interesting. Obviously, these are not these are not the same versions of the characters that Wolfman and Perez brought to us in the early '80s. Uh, Raven looks way different yeah. than she ever did, um, so it's it's fine. These are just changes. These these are you know, new versions of, of old characters, um, but it is it's. I know that, and I don't know if it'll be played up as the series continues, depending on how the fate of one of the characters goes. But uh, in back in the old days, Wally and Raven were an item as, as wishy washy as Wally was. Um, he was, he was attracted to Raven. They, they, they had a relationship and now it's Raven and Gar, Raven and Beast Boy are together. Um, one thing that, Bugged me. This is similar to the Green Arrow thing from last week. We uh, after Raven and and Garth wake up and are excited about the events that are going to happen today. Uh, we cut to an island where Tempest, formerly Aqualad, aka Garth, is hanging out, and in comes uh, Donna Troy and Nightwing. And because she doesn't have a code name, when Garth sees them, he says Nightwing and Donna. Because it, it's just it. I don't know why it does. It just, it irks me. I, I know well, if she's not going to be Wonder Girl anymore, if she's not going to be Troya, I, which I hate, yeah. I just, I need something. What's but, the, the, the other Wonder Woman called? Isn't she Wonder Girl? Isn't there a Wonder uh, Girl running uh, around? Uh, the Cassie, Cassie, uh, is it Stars Max? Stars yeah, Mark? whatever. Um, what's, right. what's her name? Like, is it I Wonder just, Girl? I, I don't know. Ha- I don't mm. No, because I think she was in Young Justices. No. Well, wait. But, are you talking about? There's a new Wonder Girl. You're talking about Cassie Sandsmark, right? Who? Yes. Who is the, yep. but, so she does have the name Wonder Girl. I I don't know if she currently does because there's that new Wonder Girl. I don't know. I hesitate to call Donna girl. Like, oh, for I, sure. You know, she's been just like just like it's not just like Sue Storm graduated from Invisible. Right. Invisible. Right. I mean, she is. She was pulled. From the same stuff that made Wonder Woman, so I mean, yeah, right, yeah. It looks like the current Wonder Girl is Cassie Sandsmark. Yeah, okay. I, they're gonna have to. They have to come up with a name for for Donna. They can't call her Donna. Here's here's the Titans, you know, and Donna. I don't know. It's just like it's like Jean Grey. It's like they wouldn't call her Phoenix because she wasn't Phoenix anymore, but uh, they just keep calling her Jean. I don't know if they still do. I don't know if Hickman gave her an actual uh, code name, but for all intents and purposes, Donna's like having Wonder Woman on the team. She's absolutely. She's not a girl. She's just let's get her a name. That's not that's not Troya. 
get on it because that sucks. <laughs> then they never like really that does. name. It yeah. really does. But anyway. whatever. But so uh, Dick wants to get the entire gang back together, the the the, the OG riders, and and uh, but but Garth Garth ain't having it. He's he's got things to take care of under the water. Uh, the 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 um, the non he's, he's pulling the he's, do, he's like the Namor now he's pulling the Namor that's yeah. what I said I said why do water dwelling characters always have to be so maudlin douchey. yeah yeah douchey and maudlin it's like oh yeah well you got it made because you have the surface world but we're the we comprise the most area of the planet and it's all going to hell and you guys don't care like what maybe if you wanted some help you wouldn't be a dick right <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't yeah, know bro. uh so after that. We get the uh, we get the huge credits and we get a nice new updated version of Titans Tower now located in Bloodhaven. Yeah, pretty cool. That's neat. It is. I, yeah. I like the little trees and everything. Um, a little shrubbery. Did Dick use uh, some of his billions to build that? I assume. I would assume so, especially since it's in Bloodhaven. You probably got a nice little mm-hmm. tax cut. Yeah. A uh, Dick has billions. Alfred yeah, we've talked about this. Money. He yeah, Alfred left him. Alfred was worth like six oh. billion dollars because he never. He, he invested all of his money from Bruce all over the years successfully and left it to Dick. Hmm. Actually, Dick is currently uh, way wealthier than Batman. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. There you go. So it's a huge, huge public showing. Uh, the press is here. A lot of the public is, is, is watching uh, our crew show up at home. And, um, and, and there were some, there were some nice, Neat little moments, uh, some conversations as far as, you know, room, uh, who's going to sleep where and with who. Uh, they asked about Wally showing up and, and you know, rightfully, sh- rightfully so, um, Wally's a family man, living at home, wife and kids. Uh, he's probably not going to be playing treehouse with, with, with his friends and, and, and staying here. So, um, there's a, uh, is a huge, really huge, happening situation that Oracle lets the crew know about, and they make their way um, to a uh, to a nuclear plant where uh, Titano is attacking. How happy were you with that full page spread? I was happy. Yeah, that was one of the the good things you give me some some giant kaiju action uh-huh. with characters that i know that's fun yeah i thought yeah. it was neat it it's a well we'll get to it but i think that the, those two pages are 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 very well done yeah um they uh they they work on the crisis they handle what they have to handle uh not that kind of crisis they're taking care of this situation unfortunately um one of dc's most Massive dicks who isn't Nightwing shows up to kind of uh, stink up the place and and he he's really, everywhere right now. But really that's is. that's my problem with this issue right there. That's really? ent- that's entirely my problem. You, you know me when the when the comics are in lockstep with the media, it pushes me away. Okay, because it says to me this is not a natural story progression. This is merchandising. This is advertising you know what if you like this peacemaker guy well there's going to be a series and he was in a couple of movies like why does the suicide squad have to be in it why that's that that did leave a 
sour taste in my mouth. I know that you know they're not they don't want to reuse the hive yet or anything like that. But but for Waller to be involved in 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 pretty much almost every other groups or yeah. or, 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 or characters, um, all of, all of around them, it, it it's a little. She just seems to be everywhere, and, and I mean, it could have been anybody from the Suicide Squad. Yes, of course, it was the Peacemaker. Um, but if you are going to have somebody show up as an asshole, that really is uh, the one guy to do it. So um, yeah. he uh, he's he's trying to fix things, and and meanwhile the Titans. It, he's just basically it's somebody. It's typical management comes in, tries to fix something that that's already being worked on. It's going to be fixed by the people who are actually taking care of it. You don't need to interfere because all you're going to do is make things worse. Um, the the day is saved. And there is uh, there's there there are some words between Peacemaker and Titans and and it's he really really amps up uh, full dick mode because he he has something to say about fucking Gar he has something to say about Cyborg about about Victor he just he he is not. He's absolutely not designed to be to be likable, and uh, and 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 Taylor nails that really really well. Um, we uh, we get back to Titan's Tower, and being the junior detective that he is, Dick spots uh, some blood right by the doorway, um, recognizes the tread from the boot. Ray Charles could spot that blood, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's like all right, Sherlock. Oh. Is there blood in here, Georgia? It looks like blood. <laughs> I know where it's going too. Follow the follow the trip, and uh, and there is Flash, dead, yeah. on the floor, um, and uh, and but he made his way to the keyboard, put up all the screens. All it says is solve it, so that's what the <laughs> yeah. crew has to do. But then we have next issue, where we're we're starting early with this one, Brother Blood, who of course wow. was in the most recent season of the Titans, but um, he is a long standing. Titans foe, like I yes. said, they didn't they didn't come out with the hive, who of course was pretty was in the second issue, prominently of the of the Wolfman Perez series. Um, so I'm glad they're not really following that pattern. But um, but it'd be neat to see. Uh, I'd like to see what Nicola does with, with with Brother Blood's outfit. See how that's been tweaked. But um, the art is the art the art the art was fine. She she knows she knows figure work like. It, it, it's slamming. I like the look of the characters. Um, there are some moments where things might just be a little stiff, not as fluid as I would have liked. But overall, yeah, that's the word stiff, exactly. Yeah, I. I um, but it's 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 still well done, and and it 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 works here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she she did great work with Black Magic on with, with Rucka. We've seen her do some fantastic stuff. So this is not there's nothing shocking here. It's just. Um, is with these characters who are you know, fast paced, they're kinetic. You just, I, I, I like to see a little bit more movement, and, um, and you know, and, and maybe this was just she's getting her footing. I, I'm not going to assume, you know, maybe the next issue things will be a little smoother. We'll see, but um, you know, as, as far as the first issue goes, this is my team, and and I, I'm again the little nits that I can pick at, like Waller. Um, like 
not having Donna have a name. Those, those are things that are they're fixable. <laughs> they're not going to last, so it's 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 fine. But uh, but no, I thought as far as it, it's been a good couple of weeks for me with first issues, and and uh, this is no exception. I'm I'm glad the Titans are back. I'm glad Taylor is Tom Taylor is writing it. Um, I'm 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 optimistic. I'm excited to see where things go, and I love to hear what you guys thought about it. Well, the the important thing too is that this book uh, is not only the OG Titans, but it's being positioned at least for now as the new premier yes. tier one DC super team, right? Because the the Justice League is disbanded because of everything that happened with the last crisis and all that, and. Again, we know that's temporary, right? That's that's they'll just put it on the shelf for a year, and then so they can have a new Justice League reboot and, and hopefully get people interested again. But that's fine. Uh, in the meantime, I was very excited about this because, of course, I've adored Tom Taylor's Nightwing run, and this certainly flows right out of that same writer, team leader Nightwing. So it just it makes sense on that front. Um, but I really pretty much completely agree with everything you guys have said. I, I think that. Um, I have always thought Nicholas Scott was a good artist. Um, you know, Vince, I think on our Slack, you made the illusion that there's a bit of Perez to her. I, I definitely bit, think at yeah. her, yeah, at her best, right. She looks very much like George Perez. I think that's right. Um, but I think that hit it. Like she's, she has a tendency to be stiff with her character modeling. And I don't know. I think that really doesn't work that well with the actiony scenes, right? But the rest of it, like the character designs, the faces, the dial, I think it, it all looks great. And, and certainly, if we're grading on a scale in terms of superhero artists, while she's no, you know, Jorge Jimenez or Bruno Redondo that at the top of DC stack right now, I, I think she's certainly well above the mean and, and, and certainly good enough that it's not going to detract me from enjoying a well-written story. So I'm okay with it. Like it's, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be rushing out when my hardest is over to try and find the pages, but, but I, I, I think it's fine. Um, I love that Raven and Gar are a couple out in the open showing that PDA. I don't, I, I don't know how long that's been going on. It's been a minute since I read anything with the Titans in it. Um, so I, I just don't know. It seems like there's a, you know, they've been building to that. I, I actually, in reading this, I was, I was, I don't, other than, than Nightwing, I, I, I don't have any clue what all of these characters have been up to for the last bunch of years and where they've been, what they've been up to. So, um, individually. So, but yeah, I, um, I thought it was, I thought it was good. And, and I, I love the idea of us getting the rebranded, uh, number one, team books from both big two on the same day it's mm-hmm. like because you know love me the teams so i was so i'm here for that too so i it felt very very karmically positive for uh superhero comics it's been a minute since i was as excited to read as many superhero comics as i was this week yeah very superhero heavy week yeah i think yeah. this issue is very balanced for me um mm-hmm. meaning that the positives and negatives are pretty much in, in tandem, um, I'm probably on the bottom of, of the Nicola Scott appreciation list in that oh. I, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that could say this art is not accomplished. It is. Yeah. It's just a yeah. little too clean for me. It's a little too polished. Oh, sure. um, but, uh, again, if you are going to try and wring that 
you know, novelty uh, or, or the nostalgia bell with Titans fans, you get somebody that's this detailed that draws every strand of hair like George did. Um, you know, it, it, aesthetically, I think she's perfect for this book. It may not what be what I want to see on it, but uh, in 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 homage to what has come before, what fans of Titans or Teen Titans would expect, I think she's dead center, bullseye, right? I, 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 I don't like this Raven at all. I don't know who this character is. This is not Raven. I mean, right. this is not... I don't want to say my Raven, but this is not the Raven from the book you, that you I... You mean like the, the no, happy and love publicly... Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, Raven is a creature of darkness. She yeah. would never have magenta hair and let herself be allowed, like seen like this. Yeah, no, uh, it's nice. Now, Every, part it, of that, now, now she has had magenta hair for decades, just to be fair. I mean, be, like, because... I didn't know that. So, yeah, but 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 but, but to be, but I think you're right on everything else. She's She's been, uh, the last I read of her, she was very much the classic brooding, I hate everything... You know, I'll show a softer side yeah. to Gar because I love him, but only behind closed doors type of a thing. I think the Raven in Teen Titans Go is 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 right on the mark. Like that's yeah. Well, she's got she's got pink hair in that, but I mean, personality wise, she's, yeah. yes, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure mm-hmm. that I like uh, her and and Gar together. I don't know. Uh, I it I really don't care about it, but it's just mm-hmm. it's just odd, you know. Uh, strange odd. I think the the one that uh, to me is is the the focus of this this issue. Even though she wasn't uh, involved, you know, front and center in a lot of it was is Donna. Donna looks great. I mean, yeah, that looks phenomenal. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I the takeaway is I thought it was. I thought it was fun. I'll, I'll I'll read more. I I don't like. Well, I think the, you told us. I think your response was, "I didn't hate it," which I didn't. Which I think in today's day and age, for Vince B, that's a win. Two thumbs up from Vince. That's well, a win. I, yeah. But you got to know that I love uh, not as much as Dap, of course. But I love the Wolfman Perez Titans. I think it's a, sure. it was a it was a great book, a wonderful run. I mm-hmm. I I read it many times before I read X Men. And that was always mm-hmm. the neck and neck, you know, you know. But uh no, I, I don't like how closely it's tied with the mm-hmm. the DC media verse or whatever you want to call it. Uh whatever. That's not I I'm not the mm-hmm. I guess the target audience for this. But uh, I, the I, fact I that say, yeah, go ahead, No, I was just gonna say the fact that the one true flash is dead. <laughs> that's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean uh, I, I was just going to say that 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 I I totally understand where you're coming from with the with the peacemaker stuff. I will say this must be again where it's like where we all have our own lines in the sand. For me, it comes down to I really enjoyed the John Cena peacemaker in both the films and the TV show. Yeah. So while like I'm actually more bothered by the idea of Waller being the Big bad behind seemingly every freaking plot. I'm not plot. looking forward to the crossover, right? But 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 I don't mind the peacemaker front and center in the John Cena mold because that character entertains the hell out of me. So I, I'm okay with that. Like that doesn't, and I don't get the sense that I think they're going to be a recurring thorn in their side. But I don't get the sense that this whole first six issue arc is going to be about 
them versus the Suicide Squad. I think that's going to be a slower build, and right. and at well, some point we'll get them up against. And we might them. not even see Peacemaker next time. They might send Harley Quinn or or right, right. Well, well you know what's going to happen. I mean, if Wally's dead, Raven's going to have to do some otherworldly shenanigans. If if, if Brother Blood's coming into it, you, right. you get you got to know Trigon's going to be around. Some some a deal's going to have to be made to bring sure. Wally back to life. And and I'm I'm. I have I'm, I'm I'm particular on my Starfire, but I'm I'm not all that bent out of shape over this outfit. It's <laughs> I, I it's they're they're modernizing things. They're just uh, you know there, there's no deep plunging lines on 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 Donna. It's um it it's all it's it's all pretty much very modest. And, yeah, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But she's a very um, sexual uh, character. But, Starfire, yeah. Yeah, but to Taylor's credit, there was never an instance in this where she had an opportunity to be, right? She's in the public yes. eye. She's yeah. taking care of business on the superhero front. Like, there was not like, hey, let's go bump uglies. It, it, right. it would have been out of place where, uh, yeah, I, I like Corey. I think she's she's admirable. I'm, I'm, glad, like I'm glad it's this Corey and not the one that we got with, with the new 52 when she was hanging out with... with Right. Yeah, and and all that ridiculousness. Um, yeah. She looked hot in that, though. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Rokerford knows how to draw. But it's I'm just it's, saying, yeah, Rokerford drew her mad, sexy, like yeah. like an IG. But I, mean, I was mad right. at that. But yeah. they ended up they, they just had her like like so she just bounces around like, like like she's the daredevil of the DC universe. It's like, dude, it's like she's not it's not boinking every dude, right. but it just it came across that way. And and sure, this is totally a me thing because and I, and I brought it up during the. Um, uh, on the, the the John Kent mini, I I really am not feeling Wes Abbott's letters these days. I, there's just there just seems to be so much space in the word balloons compared to the rest of the text, and I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just it's something that I saw earlier on on the other Taylor book, and it it's it's still Wait, it's still apparent here. Oh, I don't think there's too much space. Do you? So I, mostly, I, did, I didn't notice i didn't i didn't no, take issue fine. with the lettering so yeah right it's a little better cool. yeah, here they, than it was these things Kent. probably yeah yeah well can um can, can i uh i mean i think it's it's only natural that we uh that we discuss the 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 Other. big marvel team reboot uh that go ahead yeah, and take it away i didn't read it <laughs> no I, way i figured as much I you read it though right that yeah, i did okay nice just for you Nice. Um, listen, you know, there there are certain things that you want right in the world. Like, I know, no, I know my boos here are much happier when Spider-Man or Fantastic Four is their jam, right? Mm-hmm. I know Vince would be pretty much wanting to stop the show if, like, the turtle stunk. Just because it wouldn't feel right. No, cosmically, it just wouldn't feel right. Yeah, I'm I'm exaggerating, but I mean you'd be bummed to do it a bit stink, you know. And there's just there's certain characters, titles, whatever that we just feel better when they're good, and we tolerate when they're not because everything's cyclical. But we're just we're just happier campers when they're good. And and I have enjoyed the Avengers in all its incarnations, and and it I understand that that over the thirty plus years that I've read it, month in month out, there have been plenty of runs that that the average reader probably thought were meh or even bad. And I get that crossing. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, big time. <laughs> yeah. But like for some reason it was so 
baffling to me how much I dislike Jason Aaron's run, not only because I love the Avengers and so it takes a lot for me to dislike the Avengers, but it was Jason Aaron. And is and that so, the least favorite thing he's done for you? Oh, well, not even close. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I loved, I mean, Jason Aaron, who was like batting a thousand for me until this, I, I, okay. I, now he had done things that I didn't like go crazy over, like <gasps> wow. Ghost Rider stuff. What? Sorry. No, I just saw a character. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh. Um, <laughs> where, where, you know, I wasn't like crazy about it because I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the character per se, but I've never, I, I honestly don't think I'd ever read something by Jason that I outright didn't like, if not love until this. And it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, he didn't suddenly stop being a good writer, obviously. It was just that he was committed, uh, for better or for worse, to this 1 million BC idea where there were these Avengers totems that had existed since since the, the universe existed. And it's comic, so of course, we always say comics should be ridiculous and so forth and so on. And, and But just for whatever reason, it just rubbed me wrong. It did not connect with me. It seemed ridiculous. I didn't like it. So unfortunately for me for five years <laughs> so um so um now it doesn't seem like among our cohorts i i was in the minority it seems like a lot of of, of our booze and our our friends and, and supporters of the show were of similar disinterest at least as it went on so regardless of all that it is what it is um i was i was waiting very much for the inevitable relaunch and we've known for three months because that's how comics work that we were getting a new Avengers with a new number one, and it was going to be written by Jed McKay, which made me very happy. It was probably the person I had handicapped as the most likely next writer, because Jed has one of those names along with 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 Colin Kelly and 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 his partner Lansing that seemingly are moving up the Marvel ladder. Right, they've been getting a couple of books a month. The books have been largely well well reviewed. There's been buzz, so it just he it seemed like it was his time to get his shot, and sure enough, he was named the writer. Uh, the artist in this issue is C.F. Villa, um, who's been doing regular Marvel work on major titles for the last few years. He's currently one of their uh, one of their. Um, I always forget the name Storm of the Stormbreakers. Thank you. Yes, I always forget. I always want to say Young Guns, but uh, fortunately they changed it from Young Guns because all of these people are like in their 30s and 40s. Seriously, but yes, yeah. C.F. Villa is one of the current Stormbreakers, which means like the it artists at Marvel. Um, and then colors by Federico Bley. So this issue for me is like a perfect superhero comic, right? Because it's the Avengers. It's a cast of characters that I think are by design heavy hitters. And this issue is about putting the pieces back where they belong. And we get, I think, incredibly well done character moments, interactions between them. We get it's getting the band together because uh, they have to form the team. The team is the current. There is no current there, there uh, at the start of this issue. There currently is no Avengers team. So uh, Carol uh, Danvers, who is the new leader, the once and future leader, she has to form the team. So she goes out and recruits each member. And there's an interaction of her asking them to join. There's a bit of backstory about why she's choosing them what their ties are to the Avengers. It's, it's, it's everything I love, right? It's getting the band together. It's the Avengers. It's characters I love. And on top of that, CFL's art is beautiful. And it's, and throughout all of this, they are fighting Terminus who, while certainly not, um, you know, uh, like a, an A-list uh, villain per se, I think it's great 
a great choice for the first issue because it's just big dumb action. Terminus is is skyscraper sized and is super powerful, and you know because it's Terminus and not Ultron that they're going to defeat him right quick and move on to a, a bigger, more detailed plot. So I just thought the whole setup was great. I thought Villa's art was perfect, and I just loved the interactions, and I loved Carol's choices, why she made each choice, and then once they were together, they this reminded me of why I fell in love with the Avengers back as a kid, because it was amazing heroes working together seamlessly and intelligently to defeat a foe they couldn't defeat by themselves. And there's a line, I'm trying to find it, um, but I'll just paraphrase, but essentially... Um, Carol's talking to Tony. She's Tony's the first one she recruits. And, you know, they have had significant disagreements in the last decade, including being on the opposite side of one another for two civil wars. And they mentioned that. And she says, essentially, you know, I'm, I, I've been on the I've been opposite you. I want to it's, it's high time we're, we're, we, we work together again. And he agrees. But she says that the Avengers aren't it's not our job to be policemen. That's not what we were designed to do. It's our job to be firefighters we're supposed to go out and put up the fires that no one else can put out. And I was like screaming at the top of my lungs with joy at that, because that is what the Avengers should be. And I would argue that's what the justice league should be too, by the way, in the DC it's the greatest heroes in these universes coming together in an emergency situation to stop the emergency and solve it. Like that's what they're there for. They're not meant to sit around a table and machinate like the Illuminati and figure out how to keep the world safe or to, you know, nip things in the bud before they happen or to plot to make things happen a certain way. They're there to answer the alarm. And that's what makes them great. And that's what obviously, because he comes right out and says it, what Jed McKay's idea for them is, is to be the heroes when we need a hero. And I'm just for all of it. I love the team members for for those who haven't read the issue yet. Um, the team is Captain Marvel. Carol Danvers is the leader. Uh, it's Captain America, a.k.a. Sam Wilson. And there's a great team when she goes to recruit Cap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, Sam and Sam and Steve are, are, are sparring in a boxing, in a, uh, you know, a, a boxing uh, gym. And she shows up and she's like, Cap, Cap. <laughs> and then, you know, she's recruiting. And, and then she's like, I want Sam because I need an everyman. And, you know, Cap, you're 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 the, you're certainly the opposite of an everyman. And Cap's like, Steve Rogers, like, yeah, cool. Makes sense to me. So he's like, I'm here if you need me. You know, so it's 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 Carol. It's Sam. Um, it's Thor, of course. And I love how she they posit how Thor is because we we, we sometimes forget him. He's a god. He's immortal. So they talk about how his time with the Avengers to him is just a, a little blip in his existence. It's, it's a, it's just a, 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 a tiny moment of his, of his existence, but he's just in love with, with, with humanity. And, and that's why he's a part of the Avengers. And that would make sense. Um, as I mentioned, Tony T'Challa, black Panther, who, uh, for those who aren't reading the black Panther comics, he's currently not, he's neither officially the black Panther, nor is he King of uh, Wakanda. Um, and then the last two members, which again are as an OG Avengers fan, amazing choices. And, but I think it's been a long time are the vision and the Scarlet witch. And of course we haven't seen the Scarlet witch as an Avenger since no more mutants since, since she basically destroyed half the Avengers and all of the mutants. So I just love the team. I, I, they're all 
super, you know, they are Omega class heroes, right? Like there's not a there's not a, a there's not a B lister or oh isn't that cute that they're on the team in the in the bunch, and uh, it just feels so much better than seeing fucking car a flaming car in every panel like i i like i didn't like that was so awkward when when car ghost rider was on it every every like just none of that made sense to me so yeah just great i i I really couldn't ask for anything more and then there's a big reveal at the end of this issue which um sets up presumably the the first true big bad and and the first arc uh but i i won't spoil that because it's it's meant to be an aha moment for when you uh you get to it so uh, i i loved it obviously. And, um, I had very high expectations for it. And I will say, um, I loved Jason Aaron's first issue when he was setting up the team. So this doesn't mean I'm going to end up thinking this is an amazing Avengers run one way or the other, but certainly you got to get the first issue right to, to make the series great. And I think they did that. So what'd you think that? It has been a really long time since, I read an Avengers book um, with the with a team like this. I mean, I've read Captain America. I've read, I've read Avengers. I've read books featuring Avengers characters, but this was the first Avengers book I've read in a bunch of years. Um, I think I might have read the first issue or the free comic book day issue of of Aaron stuff, but um, this this was just it's just a lot of fun. I I like what McKay does. And uh, just in general, just because his his Doctor Strange and his the Death of and the Clear Run Strange book, um, the uh, the work he's doing with Spidey, I I do like I like Jet, um, Carol as chairperson, great choice. Uh, All all the moments I, I I like how. I like how the issue was paced because yes, while they're taking on, they're taking on the big bad. Um, we, we, we cut over the days of the past week where she is enlisting, uh, the team great exchange with her and Tony. Uh, yeah, the, the part where she's just chatting with Thor phenomenal. Um, obviously T'Challa has got a chip on his shoulder, of course, and, and everything that she's saying, she's, she's saying exactly what, She's a great leader. She, she she's saying, she's telling the people that that she's recruiting what they need to hear. But she's not sugarcoating anything. She's not talking down to them. She's like, I mean, she, she basically she tells she she tells T'Challa, it's like we didn't leave things in a great spot last time because you gave your sleeper cells your kill switch protocols, told them how to take down your friends that are the Avengers, and and so it's. Little things like that. Obviously, nobody's going to forget, uh, but the Avengers he can forgive, and and he never stopped being an Avenger, even though his actions may have said otherwise. Um, you were right on with, with with the exchange with all the caps. Nice little moment with um, when uh, Sam flies down to give give Panther a hand because the last time I saw the two of them together. Uh, was at the start of um, the Sam Wilson cap book. Um, and they a little bit of a terse exchange because T'Challa tries to not be wrong. And if, if he does say something wrong, you're almost maybe thinking that he's doing it just to get under someone's skin. Um, 
The Vision is a character that I've probably been a fan of for years, but he's always just, I don't, I never really know how to take him because his, his power set is, is off the charts. Um, obviously, you know, he has feelings, but I just, I don't, and I've always very, it's not often. And, and unfortunately this is, this kind of is par for the course. He rarely has a decent looking outfit. And, and <laughs> I, I just, true. It, I, it bums me out, but he's got a receding is, hairline now. And this does, I mean, that widow's peak is mad. Mad widow's peak, huge widow's he, peak. He, uh, but yeah, he's, he, he, he's an Avenger period. I mean, you can, it's, it's weird for me to see an Avengers team and him not be part of it. See, so. I, I, exactly. I think he's like, he's like the Martian Manhunter of this. Like he should yeah. be on the team. He's, and like you said, he's cra- just like Martian Manhunter. He's crazy powerful. Yeah. And, and yet he's never, uh, I, I just, when I think of him, I just, like when I think back on, on my favorite Avengers runs and favorite teams, he's, he's been a part of a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, do you, do you now? This is pure speculation. It's one issue in, but do you think maybe we get a Vision Scarlet Witch uh, rekindling after 30 years? Uh, now that they're back together on the team, I think so. I think there's something there that uh, that, that that McKay can can play. Yeah, around. I think so. Right. I mean, even if it's just even if it's nothing like super serious, and mm-hmm. you know, Carol barges in and and they're in bed together, or something, or you there, someone <laughs> walks by the door. I just, but yeah, I'm here I, for it. I could see that. And and speaking of Scarlet Witch, I'm, I'm, it's great to see um, a little bit of a homage to the Perez Gypsy version. Um, yep. Which I, I don't know how often that, that that's been seen in recent years, but I, I I do like it here. But unfortunately, Wanda is also another character where because it's her powers have just been so damn confusing. Over there. Are, are they hex based? Are they? Is, is it almost like it's luck powers? It's just it's it's weird because she's a mutant. But wait, so. Scarlet Witch is a character who I'm glad exists, but is still just one that I don't know how to take at times. But but and and I always because of how she was brought up, and you know she and Quicksilver part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It's it's I I'm always part of me is always back in my mind that she's going to she's going to do something whether it's it's no more mutants whether it's you know having babies something's going to go wrong where 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 she i'm hoping she doesn't go crazy again but i'm i just i am never going to fully 100 percent trust wanda and mm-hmm. that's totally me yeah. thing i'm sorry caleb but it, it's just one of those things but, but that's part of what makes makes it interesting to have her in a group right there yes. you need to have these these characters that are a bit like t'challa fits into that too they're flawed uh, absolutely we're, we're, they're flawed and, and they are they have shown many times that they're willing to go against the team if they believe it's for well in his case for the greater for his for other purposes like his country or for in her case because she's batshit crazy but um but yeah no i i like that i like i like the uncertainty right the the yes. fact that they, they so uh yeah but i'm with you and and i don't i mean i don't think you read but she is she where carol recruits her at the emporium which is where scarlet which has been chilling doing the sort of the uh you know the her she's got her own series right now with um that's the orlando book yeah it's the orlando book and and she's that's what she's doing she's she's got this parlor and and there's a door and and people come through the door people in need and she goes and kind of like you know settles their 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 issues each 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 issue so yeah 
but I mean, the the action was great. Uh, little moments like the uh, the engineer, the scientist who who um, who was involved in creating um, this black hole. They they just kind of throw it. It's like, listen, she, she's scared. She doesn't know how to like. She's she's not an Avenger, but they kind of enlisted her for the day just so that uh, she could take care of this. And little like you know, pump me up moments I, I i thought were really neat and then yeah and then like you said at the, you, you get to the end of the issue and wow okay cool it makes sense because of the adventures but yeah no i thought it was a really really solid first issue i was i'm i'm, I'm glad i got to read a strong adventures book mm-hmm. you're here nice you should write out a thank you note to john Byrne for, for, for terminus <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, sure. Of course. Yeah. But like that, that, that pleases me. Right. Because I'm sure McKay, that wasn't, that wasn't random. Right. Like that, no. that's just like with Tom Taylor having brother, like, like it's, you know, you, you want to kind of, I think, I mean, I don't, if, if the, if, if this is a long run for McKay, of course I want new situations and new characters and new villains. Sure. But, but I don't, I don't mind starting off with something they're familiar with. Right. Nice. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Cool. Now I'm curious what what possessed you to to try Titans, but not Avengers, because <laughs> your your, your historical love for Titans was that much larger. I've never been an Avengers fan. Damn. Um, not not locked in like you. No, I read the book. Um, How dare you? I think the Avengers was. I mean, I tolerated it when it crossed over with Fantastic Four. No, you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, I, it's, it's just, no, it's, it's the, the, the marketing machine of Marvel. Is that why we've never had Roger Stern on the show? No, I, I get it why Carol's the leader. Carol has a movie coming out. Right, I mean, th- th- it's all pro. Oh, she's been the leader of the Avengers no, a lot. Yeah, and she's that's good. I mean, that's, she was, she was, yeah. she was the leader during yeah. the Second Civil War, right? Yeah, she. I mean, she, she's, she's like, not that we're going to do this, but if I were to make a list of 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 Avengers team leaders, I mean, she she'd be on a short list of. Right, I of, think she's good. She's capable, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad you guys liked it. Nice. Okay, there you go. Boom. All right, relax, okay, relax, because <laughs> I. Because I got Did a nice something this week, man? I got a nice chewy bunch of thick stuff for you. Oh, thick! It is thick. It's thick with history. Because I read mm, um, history, the Steel Claw miniseries. Mm. Yeah, it's four so issues. Not, not Gantz. No. Well, I do like that. Uh, this is um, written by H. Ken Bulmer. Illustrated, oh, good old, good old my, my, my good old man, H. Ken. You don't even know who he is. Uh, illustrated <laughs> by... Me and Bolmy go way back, dog. Jesus Blasco. Now, I know Jesus from... Uh, he appeared maybe four or five times in Creepy, but he was um, a mainstay of... The, I know his brother, Ta, a little better. The Brit... I don't care. The Brit comics. Ta Blasco. So it's illustrated by Blasco, and guess who else? Gary Leach. Okay, ah. Gary Leach is very important. Um, unfortunately, Gary did pass in March of twenty-two. But you said, did you vet that before he said it? <laughs> I did. Okay, good. Um, you you know Rest who Gary Leach is, right? Gary worked with Alan Moore on an yes. insignificant little character named Marvel Man. We know him as Miracle Man. Uh, he helped create the Warp Smiths. He was the inker on John McRae for Hitman. 
He did Ellis's Global Frequency and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. With Dave Elliott, he created Atomica Press and did the anthology A1. Gary Leach is an important dude. Um, so well, he's an important dude. He still is in my heart. Uh, the Steel Claw premiered in Fleetway's Valiant anthology on October 6, 1962. And, amazingly, the character would become incredibly popular, not only in the UK. high school years. Almost. I was still a a twinkle in in Papa's eye in 62. (laughs) Uh, So this character wasn't only popular in the UK, for whatever reason. And when I tell you the the meat of the character, you're going to be like, what? This character was popular? Somehow, uh, Steel Claw resonated with readers in France, Germany, Finland, India. In India, he became one of the country's most popular action heroes and sold millions of copies. Really? Yes. Uh, oh. And then in the Netherlands, he was it was reprinted. And in Sweden, he's known as Stalhanden. Right. So you got Portugal, former Yugoslavia. Like this character's been around, translated he's glo- into. He's a global icon. But why? Why haven't we heard? Of this character stateside. Well, we we did. It's just that not many people at the time were listening. Enter Quality Comics. Dap's going to remember this uh, publishing house. From 1982 to 1988, Des Skin. Des is another wow. really important fella. Yeah. He's sometimes called the British Stan Lee, but I don't know Des that well, and I don't want to do him dirty like that. So we'll just call him incredibly important. I'm pretty sure they, when they say it's it's in the positive. I'm sure they do, but yeah, nothing but whatever. Um, so Des Skin tried to crack into the U.S. comic market with a line of 2080 reprints published under the Quality Comics banner. And one of those was a reprint of the early escapades of the Steel Claw. Albeit, this is where Gary Leach comes in, albeit with a new framing sequence drawn by Gary Leach that attempted to update the character in hopes of catching fire with the current crop of kids and launch him into an all-new series, but unfortunately it did not work. Go figure. (laughs) So who is the Steel Claw? Who is this dude? Well, depending on what version of the character you're reading, um, if it's the original version, he's Lewis Crandall. Crandall, a lab, a Crandall, a lab assistant to the uh, venerable Professor Beringer. But in the Quality Comics reprint, he's Lewis Randall. But everything else is the same. Here's where the, the, the problem comes in. Someone at Quality was asleep at the drafting table because there are some instances of the character being referred to as Crandall that snuck through. They forgot to white out a few R's. Here and there. So he's either Crandall or Randall. Uh, but the story is so silly that the surname ambiguities are like the least of this character's problems. Crandall Randall is a lab assistant, right? And he's an unlucky one at that because calamity has befallen Lewis on more than one occasion. In the first instance, he loses his entire hand in a lab accident. And it's replaced by... You guessed it, a steel claw, right? But it's not just a metal hand. It's a steel claw. 
Like the fingernails, the fingers are pointy. It looks a little bit like Doctor Doom, but it's a claw. Like what? In what reality would you lose a hand in a lab accident and say, "Yeah, I'll go with that that monstrous looking steel claw. That looks really good. I can get the chicks with that." I don't get it. But he has another instance of of calamity in the lab, and this is where things go crazy. He's involved in a, in a lab accident where he receives a massive jolt of electricity, but it doesn't kill him. It renders him invisible. Save for the I don't get it. Save save for the claw. So you see this claw floating around, right? And he thinks because he's invisible that he has the power to to, to rule the world. Like I don't, I don't understand how you draw the the line from I'm invisible to I'm going to rule the world because I have a metal claw that doesn't turn invisible. He was kind of pissed because the professor was giving away all of his the the results of his experiments. He's a good guy, right? He's got to make the world a better place. And and Crandall Randall was like, "What? You're a fool. You could be making." millions of dollars you'd be setting yourself up so i guess it was to plant the seeds of his villainy early in the series because once he becomes invisible he turns into a total heel i'm gonna rule the world this is it and so he embarks on some thieving but he sucks at it like he he goes into a bank vault and he takes some money but he fucks it up and the money's like flying all over the place but here's the 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 rub the invisibility wears off after a time so he needs another jolt of electricity and he needs increasingly stronger levels of voltage to get the job done so he's trying to hold the country hostage it doesn't really work out and he he's like running from you know the cops and he's looking for a place to get electrocuted he's like well where can i go i need something with like machinery where i can get shocked really bad and hopefully turn invisible and inevitably whenever he's trying to do that people are walking around it's like whoa is that a bloke over there getting shocked wait a minute he's turning invisible it must be the steel claw it gets the dumbest thing you've ever read but it's so entertaining i don't understand why uh in the first two issues because he sucks at a villain a mafia guy contacts him is like hey steel claw you suck as a villain i'm gonna try to teach you how to be a real bad guy (laughs) uh it's just so strange it makes me but it makes me so happy it does it makes me so happy Uh, so halfway through the miniseries randall crandall randall is is involved in another accident (laughs) <laughs> with the mafia guys he's on the road car exit whatever it, it seems to knock some sense in him and he turns face i guess it wasn't working with the kids that he was a villain so he's now uh, a good guy right so this is where professor Berenger and his lovely niece terry gray enter the picture and they fight to prove his innocence but there's another big brain in the mix dr dutes that's the guy's name dr dutes and he tries desperately to recreate randall's accident but instead of turning invisible figure this out instead of becoming invisible he's transformed robert louis stevenson style into a hideous man beast 
again, I don't know how how why I don't get it. But <laughs> he he becomes a giant Mr. Hyde looking thing and he proceeds to plague the life of the steel claw. He tries to impersonate the steel claw by dipping his hand in silver paint. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's so stupid the character goes i hate the steel claw i'm gonna pretend i'm him and he sticks his hand in steel in in silver paint and goes around and people are just like oi it's the silver claw no it's not it's just a guy with a silver hand it's so dumb i love bugs bunny physics but here's cool this is cool because at the end of the towards the end of the series there's a time jump and the steel claw is a hero and get this he can detach his hand and the hand flies around and stuff by remote control, like the hand's looking around corners because it's got a camera on it and and, and stuff. Um, and it, it unlocks doors or it saves him from sticky situations. But every finger of the hand does a different thing. Like one finger releases gas. One is a pistol. The other one is like a blade. Like that's fun. I don't understand how... The attached hand, they ever thought that that would work with people? Like, oh my god, this guy's got a steel hand. He's cool. Like, no, that's, there's, that's not even part of the equation. But a hand that can disconnect, that's fun, right? I guess that I haven't read any steel claw other than this. I'm trying to procure as much of it as I can. Uh, 2000 AD has done some reprints. There, if you go to the, the Rebellion 2080 site, there's some steel claw on there that you can buy hardcovers and paperbacks. So I'm working on it, but this is some of the most wonderfully wacky shit you will ever read. It's a pure joy experience, like to me. But get this I did not know this. Steel Claw reappeared in 2005 stateside. Mm-hmm. He's in Alan Moore's Albion series. For Wildstorm, he, he yeah, he appears at the end. I was like, "What?" So I got a. I don't have Albion. I've never read it, but it's 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 a love letter to all of the uh, the British um, hero villains from a certain time period. You know, Almore does. So uh, I got to get Albion. But I the Steel Claw, watch out, man. He's he's a good bad dude. <laughs> good bad dude. And I got these issues. The cool thing about another cool thing, uh, issues one, two, three is 75 cents. So they're like, we're talking 87. So they're like, I don't know, 30 some odd pages. They had to cram extra stuff into the fourth issue. So they doubled the page count and it was a buck and a half, I think. Buck and a half? Yeah. But the Gary Leach covers are gorgeous and you can see them. On our website, if you want, go to 11oclockcomics.com, look for the episode thread for this here shindig, and you'll see a gallery, and you'll be able to see the covers for yourself. You don't have to search for them or anything. They're right there. But I love this, and now I'm scooping up every quality book I can get. Because it's all good. I'm, I'm reading Spellbinders yeah. now, and it's Nemesis the Warlock, uh, like a bunch of characters that you love. They have Strontium Dog, uh all dread of course like all reprinted stateside but the thing is a lot of them were color uh eyes for the first time because 
black and white, right? A lot of, of, of 2000 AD was in black and white. So they've been recolored, which is awesome. Or colored for the first time. So good stuff. Yeah, Steel Claw, crazy. I just, I just don't get it. Um, yeah, I'm invisible, so I will I will rule this this dump. Don't get it. Love it. The best thing about it was, yeah, and he paints his hand silver, and you're like, you don't say anything through the whole thing. He's like, what? That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It's so dumb. Yeah. No, but, that's cool. But we always um, say it. Comics should be ridiculous. You had told us at some point this week that you read something, dropped the mic, best thing I've read maybe yes. this whole year. Yeah, pretty close. But that wasn't it, though. Nope. No. I'm going to save it for oh. later. Okay. But I'll tell you all about it because it it's just, it's one of those things where, like, I am glad that this thing exists because you just made my whole freaking month, week, year, whatever. It, it, but it's very closely tuned to my sensibilities, like ridiculously sure. so. So we'll get there. Go ahead. Tell me what else you read. I want to know. Well, uh, I mentioned to you – well, you mentioned how you love uh, trashy movies. Mm. And I mentioned to you that I read a book that uh, is about that very thing, mm. among other things. But, but – um, you know, we we've had a string over the last bunch of years, one or two a year of um, really renowned uh, cartoonists, many indie indie legends who uh, have completed and put out like life works, you know, things they worked on for a decade plus. And um, and we've got yet another and in the form of uh, this here book. And that is uh, Blood of the Virgin, uh, written and drawn by Sammy Harkham. Oh, nice. Uh, put out through uh, Pantheon. Yeah, Pantheon. Just want to double check. Um, for those wonderful listeners who that name doesn't ring a bell, um, he is best known in the comics world as the creator and editor of Kramer's Ergot, the incredible storied uh, anthology series that uh, when we recently did our favorite anthologies uh, was was featured in our discussion, uh, justifiably so. Um, he's He's been at that since he was in his 20s. He's 42 years old now. Um, he also uh, is a creator of his own comics through an ongoing series uh, called Crickets, which he puts out mainly through Drawn and Quarterly. Um, I think it was self-published at first, but most of the issues have come out through D&Q. But like a lot of indie creators, it's sporadic. It's, I mean, I don't even think he's averaged an issue a year. It's, it's whenever he kind of is inspired and has an issue's worth of stuff, he puts it out. Um, but it's been beloved. I admittedly had read very little of it. I'd seen a bit of it in like the Great American Comics uh, anthologies and whatnot. But I, um, I was much more familiar with him just from his role uh, and contributor in Kramer's Ergot. Um, but when I saw that he had completed what he considers his life's project, I thought, well, okay, well, this is something I got to check out. And that's blood of the Virgin. Um, now he had serialized pieces of this in crickets over the years, um, in serialized little anecdotal forms, but, but he pulls all it together to make a wonderful, uh, you know, many hundred page graphic novel. And, um, the book takes place, uh, Vince is going to love this in 1971. And, 
the main character is um, a filmmaker, um, but not for like he does. He's not looking to make uh, you know Oscar films. He is working for a um, a basically exploitation film company. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, and he's uh, he's living in L.A. trying to trying to do his. Um, uh, trying to do his thing, and he's pretty much like one of the low men on the totem pole, or maybe mid 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 management. This point, he's been at the place for a few years, um, and it's just a schlock house. They 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 have very shoestring budgets. They reuse footage from other films and and edit it into current films. They often scrap plots and just put something else together and 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 put voice overlays. They do whatever they need to do to put the movies out, um, and. He's seemingly at peace with that because he just he wants to to make his way, and it, the character his name is Sydney. He is a um, uh, he's an Iranian Jew. So he he emigrated from Iran, his family, and uh, he's living in L.A. now. He's married to a, uh, a a woman from named Ida who's from New Zealand, and she's from New Zealand because her parents uh, were Holocaust survivors that uh, escaped to New Zealand. And uh, so they're living in LA doing their thing. They got a, a they got a baby, a little like probably I don't know if they ever say the age, but it's probably like I don't know, like one and a half, two years old maybe. Um, but you know, just kind of living that modest life, and he's struggling to make it. Um, and the, it's it's just a couple weeks out of out of Seymour's life. I didn't I said said it's Seymour. Um, it's it's a couple years out of Seymour's uh, a couple of months out of Seymour's life. Where essentially his boss, um, who's this super rich, you know, uh, film schlock film filmmaker, but he's he's got all the money from it. He um, a string of events happened, and he just basically says to Seymour, "I'm giving you a shot, kid. Like we we sold a an idea to this string of drive-in movie theaters down in the south, and they love the idea. So I saw you wrote a script." Uh, and we're gonna, you're going to make that movie, and so that's Blood of the Virgin, and his quest is to make this movie. But um, but this again, this is no like high art. This is no like Sundance or Con. This is this is a schlocky slasher flick that uh, he's trying to make, and he's got no budget, and he's got to fire the director, and all the while um, Seymour is struggling. Like he's struggling to make his way. He's struggling with his own confidence. He's got imposter syndrome. He is in, uh, I wouldn't say a loveless marriage, but their marriage is not great. Uh, his wife's not about having the schnickety schnack very often. And that frustrates the hell out of him. Um, she's just tired because she's raising the kid all day and, and the kid's a precocious pain in the ass. And, uh, and, and, He's never around because he's working late hours trying to trying to make his mark in the film business. And um, they both end up having uh, they both end up cheating on each other. They're cruel to each other at points. So in a lot of ways, it's just a it, this is a story about a, 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 a guy and a few months of his life, which you might say, like, well, it's interesting about that. Well, it's all about the execution. Right. I mean, um, this is not autobiographical. Um, Sammy's not that guy, but. Certainly, a lot of the things that have motivated Sammy as a creator, I think, went into this. And I had posted a quote in our Slack from the book, from an interview I'd, I'd, I'd seen that, that Sammy had given, I think, to the Comics Journal about this. But, but basically, his premise here is that um, 
you know, sometimes like, like art is like there, there, there is, there are a lot of layers to art. Right. And, and in Seymour's case, he's making the art, uh, not be not for any grand romantic reason. He's just making it cause it's like a vocation and he likes it, but like, there's no magic to it. You know, like it is ultimately just like, he's just trying to get the job done and it's not the fulfilling thing that he had hoped it would be when he got into it, but he still wants to do it. And, uh, the art is, I mean, if you've ever read any of the Kramer's work, you've probably seen a bit of the art, but it's, it's not, you know, it, this is in the line of, um, this is in like your Chris, your, like your, your, your Chris Schweitzer, your Kyle Starks kind of mode. Um, if you want to be super kind to him at his best, maybe it's got that, that, that Mazzucchelli vibe from, you know, uh, Sturis Polyp at times in terms of, but these are, you know, thin, single line weight characters with with dot eyes type of thing you're, you're you're not you're not getting like jaw dropping renderings that's not what this is about but where it really does shine Hark- harkham is great at in spite of the very spartan line on the page he's great at emotion he's really great and he just does it with this with with subtle tricks with the layouts and with the pacing i mean um you know there's one point where uh, the director who was working on the film gets fired and he's just a mess because of it. And he's crashing at Seymour's crib and Seymour's wife and his kid are back in New Zealand uh, on quote unquote a vacation, but they've been there for weeks. It's kind of like she left him, but she hasn't really, she hasn't told him that she's left him. But, uh, but, but, but uh, the director is just, he's, he's high and drunk and he's basically just wasting away his life because he's in, in this state of despair and Seymour comes back from a shitty day at, at, at the studio where where uh, they took a bunch of his footage and they cut off the filming of of the big final scene that he was set to do, like the finale, because they ran out of money. And he's just super in there like, well, just you got to make a movie out of with what you got, like even though he doesn't have the finale filmed. He's just pissed off and he, sh- and he shows up home and, and the director's all, all high and drunk and he's just like, oh, man, you know, you got every he's like, you know, you got everything you got. You got a wife and a kid, new house and you're making your, 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 your films getting made to a movie. Like you, you're living the dream, you know? And, and Seymour's like, yeah, I'm living the dream. And then it shows them both lying down to go to bed in their respective rooms. And like the, the director is sitting there looking up at the sky and he's, he's looking all wasted. And then he's like, he's like, why I wish I were him. And then Seymour's in bed and he's looking up at the sky and he's like, yeah, I'm living the dream. And it's like, he looks totally distraught, you know? And it's like, just like little moments like that. It's like, wow, like he really captures it. And, um, I just think it's one of those things where you can really feel that this is this, there's just something magical and I can't really quantify it, but there's something magical about these books when you know that they are these long, I mean, in this case, 14 years journey of these creators who have all this talent painstakingly trying to put something together. And then they finally set it free into the world and just say, this is it. Like it is what it is. And you're going to experience it. I just love that. I love that. I think it takes courage. I'm sure I'm sure, you know, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to be on that, spend that much of your life working on something and then finally just say like, okay, I'm putting it out. Like it's ready. Um, and I just think that the flow of this book, I mean, I think, let me look how many pages it is. It's big. It's, um, hold on, let me see. It is, uh, 296 pages. Uh, it's just a super quick read. I mean, I read it in one sitting. Um, and, Again, it's not like anything crazy happens. There's not a lot of tricks in it. It's just really well executed. 
And there are just these these interesting decisions Sammy makes. The book is black and white, I should say, for for the vast majority of it. So you're about halfway through this black and white book, and it's all taking place in 1971. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, you get a fully colored 20, 25 page chapter set in the early 1900s Wild Wild West. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? like it almost feels like it was a mistake that it was put in the book. But then as you read the chapter, it's about another uh, person who gets into filmmaking and it doesn't go well. And it's just this interesting little aside where he's just like talking about how like, again, another person, the only thing this this chapter has in common, the visuals, the visuals are different. It's in color. It's set in, in a period that's 60 years before. The only things they have in common are that the main character in the chapter is a filmmaker where things don't go well. And it's fascinating, like that he threw it in there, you know, and he, and then there's one other time when it's not in 1971. And that's when we reflect back on uh, Ida's mom living through the Holocaust. And you get this startling, I mean, straight at like mouse level where, where like the first panel, if I recall from, from the chapter is uh, her parents getting shot in the head. Like it's like out of nowhere. I mean, this book is not particularly, it's a bad day, you know? Yeah, no, no. Right. I mean, it's like, and, and it shows her going from that, to this point where she's she's kind of like in the same position getting older and then the final panel is her as a grandmother sitting in her house in new new zealand happy at home with her grandkids and her daughter there and it's just um we do get a pretty big look into ida while she's in new zealand and uh her life and we get a sense of her past and and she kind of refines herself while she's in new zealand they she ends up coming back to uh to to be with 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 seymour uh, and they do end up staying together, but uh, but it just was this really wonderful examination of of characters who, on paper, in a, if you were just putting an elevator pitch together, wouldn't seem all that engaging. But like the idea that it's set in this in this uh, not, I mean, I want to say it's 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 dank, but like this this non pristine side of the art world where. It's as much about the the craft and whatever you got to do to get the, the the thing out is is pretty fascinating. And um, there's a part where Seymour runs into um, it. You know, again, I don't know if it was like by design, but it felt to me kind of like Bella Lugosi when I was when I read that that uh, that Bella Lugosi uh, biocomic a few months ago, where he runs into this actor who had once been prominent and worked for the same company that Sammy works for now. I mean, that Seymour works for now. I keep saying Sammy. I'm thinking of Sammy Guevara dad. Um, <laughs> um, but, but, and, and this guy's older now and he basically tells Seymour, like, I was there where you are. And then I, my life didn't go the way I wanted. Same thing's going to happen to you, but you're not going to leave it because it's still, you're still drawn to it. Like I'm off the flame. I'm going to tell you how it's going to go, but you're still going to have to live it yourself, but it's not going to be what you think it is. And it's just like these fascinating little moments. And it's like, I just, I love this idea that he, wanted to get all of this into this narrative to say something about this, the idea of being an artist and not being like romanticized. Cause I think quite often when people write about things they care about, they understandably romanticize it. And so I just think it really struck me that this book is the opposite of that. He's, he's, he's demystifying and depolishing the craft of creation even while he's creating something magical himself in the, in the process. So like, it's very meta, but I really was struck by it. So um, I'm sure this is one of those books that will be, you know, 
like at the, you know, it'll be on those best of lists. You know, the TC, this would be one of those books. that will be like an it book for, for the indie scene, um, which is neither here nor there, but I just, I, I, it's one of those things you're like, Oh, I can see this is going to be one of those books that, that, that makes these lists. Um, but I thought it was wonderful. And, and, you know, I just, I, as I often think about these, these tomes when it's, it's 10, 20 years, like we got with, with monsters or we got with, you know, there's been a bunch, but, but, uh, it is the only bummer is that we're, we're probably not getting any more. Right. Cause I, who's to say what Sammy's up to next. I, I you know, is it going to be another 10 years? I don't know. And when it, when, and if it happens, it'll be great. And I'll look forward to it. But, but, but I'm going to cherish this cause I, I, I can't conceptualize when we're going to get something, uh, from him next. Cause it took him 14 years to do this. So, uh, yeah, but really, really interesting. And, and I will say Vince, you would love it because it's, I mean, I didn't really get into the nitty gritty of it, but, but, but the vast majority of the book takes place in and around this, uh, these schlocky film sets where they're, you know, there's, there's scenes where they're talking about how they can do special effects, how they can pull it off, how they can, they don't have the budget for a scene that they got this guy all dolled up like a monster, but, but they only have him on the clock for, they can only afford to have him there for three hours. So what are they going to do? Like just in lots of like little, like, oh, we're going to reuse this scene or, oh, we'll take this scene from the, from the, 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 the bride of Franken, you know, from, from yep. this granddaughter of Frankenstein. And then we're going to, we're going to mix this with this and put an overlay. It's just, there's lots of very technical stuff about turning these schlocky films into something else, repackaging them and, and the market. And it's 1971, so it's a still a pretty robust market. They're doing well with it. Lots of it's just fascinating. It's a fascinating window into the early 70s exploitation film uh, stuff too. On on top of, of of obviously being a very detailed character study. So really wonderful stuff. Definitely one of the more interesting books I've read in the in the last few months. Yeah, that stuff rings true. Uh, all the stuff that you said about the filmmaking, they they didn't care. They they were just trying to make money. That they would sensationalize and scandalize intentionally their their films just to get people to go to see them, and they knew they were garbage. That's the beauty of art. I I don't think there's a see we we tend to romanticize it, but it shouldn't be. It's a process that people do. They make things and and they sell things, and that's what it is. It's a business. But we like oh we want to think you know uh, Stanley Kubrick an art. He's an artiste. Like come on, it was a business. Yes, he worked at a level far above most people, but it's still there's there's the the common denominator is art. You say lowbrow art, highbrow art, it's all art, right? We we're yeah. the, we're the ones who put the the spin on it. It's it's all the same thing. He did an interview in the New Yorker again, haughty toddy stuff, but uh, where where the interviewer asks him, "Did you ever fantasize about being a director?" And that's not an unusual question because, as we know, many of our our friends or people we know that are in comics um, also aspire to that, right? Even even Brubaker just did the Batman show, right? And yeah, and and Lemire just was the showrunner for Essex County, right? Like, so it's not it's not unusual. It, it's there's a lot of overlap. Um, but but when when asked, Harkham said, "No, I love comics and books above all other mediums. Uh, I think I can easily spend my life trying to master one good page." Seymour, who's the character, uh, his love of off-maline genre cinema is not that different from loving comics and off-maline medium. So that's where we overlap. But a film director, uh, yet would a film director ever be asked if they fantasized about being a cartoonist? I doubt it. Theirs is an aspirational and romantic job in our culture, while anyone who chooses to be a cartoonist is looked at as mildly deranged. We don't pick our poisons. So, you know, interesting perspective. Yeah. We have conceptual continuity this episode because you said Bella Lugosi. Did you say Bella Lugosi? Uh, ah, mm. well, let's let's swing it over to Dap. 
<laughs> That's such an odd segue, but okay. Right? It's, Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Bitches. Um, bitches, he says. Well, let's see. I did also read. Um, you read Blood of the Virgin? N- no. <laughs> okay. It's not on his list, dude. It's, it's bro, I'm kidding. Yeah. He was like, I also read, and I was like, yes. off of that. relax. Yeah. I'm, I'm a read it. I'm a, there we go. <laughs> Gotta have it. I'm a read. Um, yeah. So, so speaking of first issues, uh, this one isn't from this week though. But uh, like we were saying earlier, where we kind of have to give things a shot, mm-hmm. return back to um, revisit characters that we haven't seen in a minute and, and like Jason brought up uh, like like Spidey or Fantastic Four but of course for me one of them is always because it's always been Hal Jordan so I tried the first issue of Green Lantern written by Jeremy Adams art by Azermanico colors by uh, Romulo Fajardo Jr. I think. Yep. And they've sharp on letters. Um, so there's, uh, there's been some changes. The, um, the guardians have disappeared. And I'm just going by the credits page and, uh, United planets have, are now the overseers of the green lantern Corps. Um, and for some reason, in a shocking decree, the United Planets have declared Sector 2814, that's where Earth is located, an unsafe liability to the universe and have reassigned the Earth, in quotes for some reason, lanterns to other sectors. The true motivation behind this hostility remains a mystery. However, Hal is um, is on Earth, and he's basically just going to start over uh, with his life. And... Um, that means, of course, showing up at Ferris Aircraft and uh, wooing Carol to get a job. And well, I'm going to stop you here for a second. Am uh-huh. I wrong in there may be Green Lantern runs that I'm forgetting in between. But didn't the last time we read a Green Lantern number one, didn't Hal show up and ask Carol for a job? Yeah, yeah. Or no, for a loan. Well, and he, oh, it was a loan. That's he, right. Yeah, right, but you're not, you're not thinking okay. about the Morrison run. No, no, no. I'm. I'm. That's its own thing. Yeah, Yeah. which we all very much enjoyed. Not that. I don't consider that the same thing. But okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no. That that was unfortunately the new fifty two. And as soon as that happened, I was like, all right, well, I'll catch up Green Lantern again sometime down the line. Same Z's, bro. Same. (laughs) So, um, first of all, the art, Termonico's art is is pretty rocking for this issue. Uh, And I know that he did the um, he he did the spin off from the Morrison. Green Lantern book, and um, so he's familiar with with the concept. Um, from what I am gathering, when Hal is on Earth, um, because we get a flashback to one month earlier, he he is ringless, and um, I don't know if it's actually explicitly stated that even though I mean yes he's he's been kind of not banished but he's. He's back on Earth, but obviously if the United Planets is, is in charge of the core and has reassigned all the lanterns, then yes, then, then Hal Jordan would not be. Because it says, the, 
One Lantern has quit in protest. So that means no ring, no uniform, no battery. Um, so he's just run-of-the-mill everyman chilling on Earth, uh, who just happens to be a pretty phenomenal test pilot. But he doesn't stay plain old Hal Jordan for long, because by the end of the issue, we're introduced to a character called Steel Fury. And uh, he's he's wreaking havoc on the city streets. Um, and Hal just happens to be in the area. He he uh, he drives towards the uh, th- this explosion because uh, he sees sees the plumes of smoke and the fire from where he's uh, drinking his beers on top of his trailer. Hops in his pickup, heads to uh, heads to Coast City. And the cops stop him and let him know that, you know, there's something big going on up ahead. Don't bother. Get back in your truck. Turn around. Go home. Let these superheroes come and fix it. Um, and and Hal is like, well, all right, then. Um, ain't no heroes here at the moment. So um, he uh, he gets back in the truck and he floors it right into Steel Fury. And when we get a close-up on Steel Fury, he kind of looks vaguely familiar. His uh, his outfit isn't isn't completely unrecognizable. Um, and and Hal's quipping, talking about how if anybody's gonna, you know, no one wrecks this city but me, or maybe Mongol. And then we have um, we when Hal swings at him with a pipe and kind of cracks his face a little bit. Um, he notices that uh, he's noticing something that Steel Fury is not aware of. And um, he uh, he basically Hal's telling him, you got to get out of this suit like immediately. And he's like, yeah, man, I ain't getting out of nothing. He's like, I I bought this a couple months ago. Couldn't get it to work for the life of me until last week when the damn thing suddenly turned on all by itself. And that's when Hal lets him know that uh, my man, you're wearing Manhunter armor, and and it's uh, it's dangerous. And the guy's like, "Yeah, that's what I'm counting on." And he's like bashing Hal with these green beams, and Hal's not really going down. And Steel Fury's a little confused. He's like, "Why aren't you a pile of ash? What are you doing?" And that's when Hal's like, "Well, what what I was meant to do is." to evil's might and and he uh he's just sitting here and he's he's basking in these green rays and uh he's like that suit was made a long time ago by some annoying blue aliens its power source is manipulated by willpower and there ain't anyone on earth with more willpower than me and still fury asks who are you and we get the last page and there's hal full Green Lantern suit, ring blinging out, tells homeboy to take a wild guess, and um, and that's the end of the issue. But that's not the only time we see Green Lantern, because earlier the, the issue flashes back and forth between a month ago and present day, and, and so Green Lantern is now, of course, active and helping the public. Um, I, I, I appreciate that... Um, I, I got to nerd out a little bit because if there is, if Hal is kind of going rogue for lack of a better term and, and isn't part of the core 
then um, then he pretty much, I guess, wouldn't necessarily take his rank with him. So his his outfit, because he is missing the um, the green across the shoulders, wearing like the original rookie year one outfit. Um, that, that that was pretty fitting uh, for this particular story, since it is kind of like a a, a reboot or a new beginning. But um, I I was happily surprised with the issue um yeah how how's having conversations with himself thinking he's talking to kilowog i mean it's all he's not going crazy or anything he's just kicking it down here on earth talking about how kilowog's probably you know telling him kind of a losery ish like that but um but yeah uh the the issue also has a backup story featuring um john stewart um and there's also a um a part of that story also includes a old guy gardener. Um, I mean, man bun beard, gray in the beard, actually white in the beard. Um, talking about like basically protecting this battery. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a weird story. It's, uh, it's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, artist by Montos, um, colors by, uh, Adriana Lucas, but um yeah i i didn't know what to expect with the backup but that that's not that's not what brought me here but uh but for the for, for a hal jordan green lantern comic i was um i was content as as like i said happily surprised with it i will be checking out uh the second issue because i i know he's a space cop or he's always pretty much been a space cop but i i'm um I'm kind of partial to Green Lanterns on Earth, especially thinking about the Green Lantern Corps, which basically number 201 out of the Green Lantern series, and, and that's when you had a half a baker's dozen chilling up in uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and it, it's just... This is comfortable. I... I I haven't read a lot by Jeremy Adams, but uh, he, he seems to um, know the character. And yeah, I'm 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 here for it. I, I'm. It was just another solid first issue in a line of uh, solid first issues that I've read recently. So I'll, I'll I'll definitely be checking out the second issue and see where we go from there. Hot cha, hot cha, hot cha. Nice. It's good when you're happy. It can be. Yeah. You get stuff that you like, why not? Right? Yeah. It may not hit may not hit everybody just right, but I'm I'm okay with it. Being and probably because it has been a good long minute since I read a good Hal Jordan Greenland. I mean not not including the Morrison stuff. That was kind of its own thing. It, it but I mean as far as like an incontinuity <laughs> Greenland. Not that I'm aware of everything else going on in the DC universe, but I, I like I like reading a, a a Hal story that's taking place in the here and now, and it's it like you said, it makes me happy. Yeah. Yep. Jason, is he is he here? Did he go pee? Where is he? No, I'm here. I'm, what's well, up, bro? We're gonna plug that continuity in now. Ah, there we go. <clears throat> Nice. Yeah, okay, I'm going to say it. You're going to scoff at it, but I don't really care. If you're <laughs> if you're not Dynamite, 
stop publishing issues for this month because nobody is going to come close to this issue. Oh, wow. Just stop. It's stop. I like the boldness. I like yeah. the boldness. Yep. Dynamite wins the crown. Best I'm issue. I'm pretty sure that is the first and likely last time those words were ever strung together in a sentence. Don't care. Uh, the Dynamite wins the crown because Elvira in Monsterland, number one, is the best thing that's going to come out this month. Probably, well, I don't want to overextend. We'll see where it goes. But, yeah, David Avalone wrote it. Cooper Ball illustrated it. Uh, the color is by Walter Pereira. Or Pereira, yes. Um, so you have to know where this comes from. Elvira in Monsterland spins out of Elvira in Horrorland. And the whole conceit with that miniseries, long, long story short, movies create pocket dimensions. And there's a multiverse of movies. And Elvira can access this multiverse because she has the remote control of Federico Fellini. She's got a remote control. She can pop into, well, she pops into uh, Hitchcock's Psycho. She goes into uh, The Shining in 2001. She shows up in Ridley Scott's Alien. There's a bunch of David Cronenberg movies towards the end of the miniseries. Videodrome, Scanners, The Fly. Uh, so Avalon has invented this mythology. It, it, it's kind of like chaos and order in in the the DC, uh, you know, uh, multiverse where you have a, a cosmic organization called Wow W O W. It's an, obviously an acronym, and it stands for Watchmen over World Space. They hate chaos. They eradicate chaos whenever they find it. On the flip side, Elvira is aided by a man called Agent Grant. And he's an interdimensional space-time cop. Who does he work for? Nova Zone Express. And he's modeled after actor Peter Weller. Are you doing the math? You seeing how this balances out? Mm-hmm. Peter Weller, Naked mm-hmm. Lunch, Nova Express. Avalon has tied the Elvira mythology to the work of William Burroughs. It's insane. It makes no sense. But it's completely insane. Because there, there's, there are sections of Elvira in Monsterland where she'll look at Agent Grant and say something about you know you know you're familiar with drugs or you, you never done drugs and she, he looks at her and gives her this this shit eaten grin. Peter Weller in Naked Lunch is Bill Lee, who is an analog for William Burroughs, who was a junkie, but in Naked Lunch he gets hooked on bug powder. He's an exterminator and gets addicted to the bug powder he uses to kill the bugs. There's bug jokes in this book. Like, my head's going to explode. You tie exploitation and horror films into William Burroughs? Shut up! Just stop. We're done. The, the, the world is over. It should be over because art's not going to get better than this, right? This story is called It's a Vlad, 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 Vlad World. 
<laughs> That's, That's, the, the, That's clever. That's clever. Here's the deal. The plot. It's more, more tightly focused in Horrorland. Vlad the Impaler. The 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 dude, Vlad the Impaler, who's Elvira's arch enemy, by the way. And she has slapped him down on more than one occasion. They he's she's a pest to him he you know blah 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 he's his arch it's it's her arch enemy somehow vlad the impaler has gotten his hands on fellini's remote and he's popping through movies and shows recruiting draculas to aid him so in the beginning he pulls bella lugosi out of the 31 dracula he also gets Max Schreck and Klaus Kinski, both of whom played Nosferatu, pulls them out of their movies. He enters, oh my God, I don't even know how to say this. He enters Hammer's Horror of Dracula. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing are going at it. They're fighting. It's that scene from Horror of Dracula. And Elvira enters the frame and says, Stop. Hammer time. Oh, no. I want to die. I just want to die. This thing is amazing. V- Vlad then grabs Janos out of Kolshak the Night Stalker. Who even remembers Kolshak <laughs> the Night Stalker? Like, current crop. Well, I mean, me too. Yes. But, like, like Barry Atwater played Janos. Dude, in- this writer's your boo. You need to get him. I know. It's your dog. So, And then there's a part where Elvira... And Darren McGavin are having a conversation. Shut up. Um, she she traipses into Coppola's Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and she's she there's Gary Oldman and Keanu keeps going, Whoa, whoa. And and Elvira's <laughs> like, What are you doing? He's like, Shut up, made me a million dollars. Um, but the absolute best segment i didn't see it coming i don't see how anybody could see it coming i'm gonna spoil it because i want people to buy this book i was filled with the white light of pure joy elvira jumps into sesame street she becomes a muppet she becomes a muppet and she's talking to the count and vlad the impaler is there as a muppet (laughs) and he tries to recruit the count and doesn't succeed because something happens, and I won't say what. But um, all other comics this month go home. You know what? You're no longer needed. This is it. Avalon absolutely nails all of the characters. There's a sequence where Elvira jumps into Blackula. Okay? Have you ever seen Blackula? You may yeah. Blackula's not a fan of the white man. Justly, justly so, because he was turned. Um, and going in, I thought, well, this is not going to go over because Blackula would never, ever willingly kowtow to a, a number one, a white man, but Vlad the Impaler. And to Avalon's credit, Blackula rejects Vlad's offer. And then I completely lost it because Elvira turns to William Marshall and calls him King of Cartoons. She calls Blackula King of Cartoons. You know that William Marshall played King of Cartoons on Pee Wee, right? Like yeah. it's it's this is nuts. It's just my head is about to explode. 
Um, you got to see the cover, at least the cover that I got. Uh, Dave Acosta drew it. It's Elvira and a pack of Draculas. You got uh, Dracula from Mad Monster Party. Grandpa Munster at Lewis is there. In the back, Counts Duckula and Chocula are in there. Jack Palance is in the image. The Groovy Ghoulies Dracula. George Hamilton. What? From Love at First Bite is in this stupid... Wow. And Frank Langella. Like, you blink. Frank, Frank Langella was like, it's okay, as Dracula goes. But it's amazing. This issue is like, like I said, so tightly tuned to my sensibilities that it's just ridiculous. It was written for me. You're going to stick William Burroughs into an Elvira comic? and tie it into the narrative like i'm just i'm done i'm just done uh elvira in 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 monsterland number one if you have to mortgage your house to get it or 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 sell a body part just do it because this comic book can cure cancer i want to do the 11 o'clockers right now i'm gonna i'm gonna say elvira in monsterland number one for every category (laughs) <laughs> there you go I'm not kidding it's I'm I'm just happy obviously uh, it's That's it's a great. it's a lonely lonely happiness but I don't care well, I, I didn't get to read it yet Dude, but you know, I mean, yeah it's it's, it's it, dynamite so I'm, I'm in a, I, I only read dynamite when coaxed into it like I don't pre-order uh, dynamite but so. I Cooper Ball's art is great um, I'm looking at it now. I mean, it's yeah, definitely it, like, I mean, photo reference is hard. And he, like, you can definitely tell that's Peter Weller. You can definitely, like, it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one, there's a lot of uh, bits with Vlad that are really, really well, re- well rendered. Like, he, he's just, there's this nasty, um, malicious stare that he does. That the one panel is just wonderful. Not just one panel, but like all of it's good. And, there's a very fine line with Elvira. You can, I'll be honest, you can draw her tits too big. You just can. And and I don't think her breasts are oversized in this issue. Some guys do. They make Elvira's, um, you know, uh, protuberances way too big. And it's like, that's not, that's not it. Oh, and she's got a magic dagger. Okay. That can pop, um... Vlad out of a movie and he can't go back into it. If she sticks him with the dagger, he's done in that movie. He can never go back. So it's cool. It's a con- it's like high concept. It's great. Get it. Elvira and Monsterland. I'm just so happy. He's definitely bold to uh to bring the beats into a comic. We don't see that very often. Not my man Bill, no. Nope. And she calls him RoboCop. He doesn't get it, but she calls that's him right. RoboCop. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> it's so funny. I, I like the 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 one liners are just good. There's one I was like, did you really do that? There's a uh, uh, he's showing her how to to use the 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 portal, and uh, they go to this place, and, she, and Elvira says, "Holy Jack Kirby!" So all right, bonus points. But um, he's showing her the portal, and he's like, come this way. And she's like, if I could, uh, you know what? Never mind. 
Like that's that's risque as hell. Come this way. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Love it. Just mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, but don't be sad if everything else you read this month sucks in comparison. Is this a, a mini? I assume. It, yeah, they're all mini series. Yep. They, they they'll do a five issue arc and then do something another one that's and up to Avalon's credit, like all of the mini series, a good chunk of them have been connected. So. Yes. They mentioned the Vincent Price one in this. They mentioned uh, Horrorland. She went to hell at one point. They mentioned that because she pissed off Vlad the Impaler. Uh, It's all connected and it's all wonderful. Done. I'm done. Love it. Yeah. In your travels, read Elvira and Monsterland. (laughs) All right. What else we got? Oh, uh, hey, everybody. Let's check the the clock first before I I damn us to uh, to exit. Uh, no, we're yeah, that's good. Hey everybody, thank you for being here with us. Remember, if you want to get your trade paperbacks, Omnibu manga on the cheap, where do you go? Tell them. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. Cheap cheapgraphicnovels.com is the maximum truth. Go there, buy stuff, save, and. When you receive your order confirmation email, you will say, you will reply to it, is what you're going to do. And you will say, hey, I was referred to you by 11 o'clock comics. I want free shipping on my next order. And they'll be like, well, let it be. Let it be done. And that's what's going to happen. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And, um, hmm. Uh, I I have I don't want to go uh, I don't want to do it in, in, in your travels because I want to go deep on the things that I have read I will say though okay mm-hmm. here, this is in your travels um, where monsters lie number four I didn't get to yeah. talk about it because I wasn't yeah. here yeah. so we were waiting I thought it was a wonderfully strange ending same I, I wasn't upset at all because it has left me with the notion that we're going to get more. And it's kind of typical of like most horror movies where it's, yeah. kind of, it's not necessarily open-ended, but there's still, there are threads there that someone can pick up from. Right. Yeah. And, and um, it, it's true in this world that some guys just can't catch a break. Yeah. Right. And, and just like Laurie Strode, yeah. there are some characters in, in horror films that seem to be in the thick of it always. So um, I thought it was wonderful. It was too good for the likes of us. But um, the hope that we're going to get more is even better. So I I loved it a lot. And uh, I I was um, very respectful of Kyle Starks Mm -hmm. before it. But now um, he's on the radar. It's like, okay, I'll give this Peacemaker book a shot. Not only because he wrote it, but because Steve Pugh illustrated it. So, yeah. He did, yes. I'm going to read yeah. that, too. Beautifully illustrated. Yeah, yeah well, really, that's, really that's almost redundant. Steve I Pugh mean, Kyle did. Starks is on a heater. I will say, I, will. I think... yeah. I think Kyle Starks, um, of the books he's putting out right now, I... I mean... I loved everything about Where Monsters Lie, except for the fact that it ended four issues and it felt like it wasn't done. So, like, I don't know why he didn't do five or six issues because the fourth issue just felt 
you guys, like you said, it's it just felt weird. Like like it just ended in a weird way, and I'm like, okay. I kind of like, like that oh, about like, it. No, I mean, yeah, like like no, I mean, again, I love Kyle Stark, so like I was happy to have read it, but I was just like, oh, like because you know, I think we commented after the first issue, like, wow, they're really like they got four issues, they got to really like they got to get they got to get to it, right? And it kind of felt like no, they only had four issues and they didn't really get to it. So it's like, oh, oh. unless um, it was initially conceived as an ongoing, and for whatever reason they're breaking it up. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm happy with. I thought it was a, it was a cool, um, not atypical ending. Um, it's like you know, uh, Jason coming out of the water. Uh, Sure. At the yeah. boat, yes, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked it. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. It had a Mother's Day uh, vibe. If if uh, it's it's a it's a sickening, disturbing, um, very offensive film, but um, uh, from trauma. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman's brother made it, and um, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, War Monster. Uh, each. It reminded me of of the other, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I I thought the series was great. Well, my, where monsters dwell, number four, uh, where, yes, <laughs> sorry Marvel, where monsters lie, uh, <laughs> number four. We'll get more, and and we'll love it. Peter Kowalski for the win. Mm-hmm. Go. Uh, in your travels, um, this will be available. Uh, at the end of June, June 27th. But um, this is uh, this was something that I was curious about, and I'm glad I got a chance to read a um, an advanced galley uh, by Tatsuki Fujimoto, who you may know as the mad genius behind Chainsaw Man. And look back, uh, there's a um, there's a single single issue or single volume manga called Goodbye Eri. And um it's basically told from first person perspective. Uh and um Yuta is a young boy, young filmmaker, wannabe filmmaker. Uh and um he contemplates suicide after the death of his mother. But he meets Eri and and uh, she kind of has him change his mind um yuda's movie making career started um with a request from his mother because he's always had the little camera in his hands um and uh she was dying so she wanted him to record her final moments um and uh that doesn't necessarily go the way anybody had planned so yuda films the days, the weeks leading up to um, to mom's death, including the hospital visits, um, and it's presented at the film festival to school. And he decided to um, go ahead and add like some special effects, like some explosions to the hospital afterwards. It's it's it was kind of done in poor taste, but everybody grieves in their own way. Um, and the school, the, the students in the school were definitely um, put off by it. Some were offended. Uh, 
what's weird about some of the panels is the way, the, and and maybe this is just the the digital version I have of of, of the preview. Um, but some of the, some of the panels look a little uh, faded. Um, but I like how the motion is shown because it almost looks like uh, some of the characters are almost like have the shakes um, with a little bit of the way the line work is kind of blurry. It's not a uh, it's not a happy tale. Um, we uh, it's it's there's a lot of uh, a lot of static panels, a lot of panels that are basically either just the same thing because Yuta and Ari are watching movies because she's trying to get him to make a new movie, another movie, uh, something that will please the students at the school. Uh, so they're kind of working on it together, and it's it's cathartic at least uh, for Yuta and and it's just um it and what's interesting is like there are a couple of pages where it's like some of the panels and and it's all it's all basically widescreen every page pretty much has just four panels on a page um so it's it's kind of in that widescreen kind of kind of mode but there's some panels that are just like completely black and and it's um obviously designed to delineate time passing but it's um it is weird to just kind of flip through some pages of just the same panel over and over again but again it it, it serves its purpose but um yeah if, if it's it's nothing like chainsaw man it's it's definitely mellow it's um it it can be morose at times but uh i i wanted to read something else by the guy who um was doing a manga that I absolutely a massive fan of these days, and um, it 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 didn't disappoint. Um, it's it was just it was just weird. So it it's depending on how you may face death or the death of loved ones, and and how you cope or, or come to come to terms with it. Uh, you might be able to see something in, in Yuta's reaction or his father's reaction. Um, but it was interesting. But it'll be available uh, June twenty seventh from Viz. Goodbye, Ari, in your travels. Respect. Um, I want to, in your travels, remind everybody that uh, you know we talk about a lot of things on the show, but we have pretty good taste, y'all. We really do. And uh, I got to say, the twenty twenty three Eisner Award nominations came out this week they did they did and uh it's like a veritable eoc like episode recap a lot of the books they got love we covered on the show yeah um shout out to zoe thorogood who got five goddamn nominations and still still not enough five nominations y'all which is incredible but so in your travels i'm just going to read off a few of the books that uh that got nominated that we talked about. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm going to start with this because, Dap, you, are you beside yourself at Star Trek getting multiple Eisner nominations? <laughs> That's got to be a first. It, it absolutely boggles the mind. So we've got uh, the Batman One Bad Day stuff, which you discussed. We've got the Star Trek, which, of course, well, we, Dap, discussed. <laughs> um, um, we discussed every uh, nomination for Best Continuing Series. Daredevil, Department of Truth, Philadelphia, Nice House on the Lake, Nightwing, and She-Hulk. 
We discussed every Best Limited Series nominee. Animal Castle, One Bad Day, Human Target, Miracle Man, Superman Space Age. Best New Series, <laughs> Love Everlasting, and Star Trek. Another you. Kelly Lansing book, by the way. Kelly Lansing are really on the come up. Oh, yeah. um, Between the Trees, Early Readers nomination. Clementine, of course, one of our – we all loved Clementine, book one. Dual Powerbomb, DWJ, what up? Wash Day Diaries, all best publication for teens. Uh, I Hate This Place, which definitely we didn't discuss tonight, but number eight, the, which I believe to be the final issue. Um, yep, just finished up. That was nominated for Best Humor Publication. Uh, best Graphic Memoir. Gotta give the like the Oscars. I love how they just like change the categories up each year to fit whatever books they want to give yeah. awards to. It's, it's fun. Uh, Ducks and It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth, of course, our consensus book of the year this past year. Um, Night Eaters and Ultrasound by Connor Steschult, two books we adored. Uh, May's book, One Beautiful Spring Day, Woodring's book, Parker and the Martini Edition, Super Spy Deluxe Edition, all books we've covered in depth in some form or another. Um, Chivalry, one of Dap's favorite stories of any kind in any form ever, uh, got nominated for Best Adaptation. I know you'll be rooting for that one. Always Never, Dap. Always wow. Never. Yes. And Black Sad. Um, Black Paradox, Vince, Junji Ito. I know it. Uh, in fact, I got to say, like for a guy who doesn't read a lot of manga, me, three of the six nominees for manga uh, are books that I read last year. Black Paradox, Shuna's Journey, and Talk to My Back. Um, best Writer, we've got, of course, Tom King, good friend of the show, and James Tynan, which we've talked about pretty much all of each of their books that they're uh, nominated for. Best Writer Artist, got Kate Beaton, Junji Ito, and Zoe Thorogood. Mm, all amazing. Man, that's tough. It is real tough, I'm saying, I know. Um, I mean, I think I would be rooting for Zoe, because Ito's got, you know, he's he's more likely to win it in future years. Um, best penciler, Inker, which is like another best artist. All of the guys nominated are books, the people we've gushed over. Jason Sean Alexander, Alvaro Martinez Bueno, Sean Phillips, Bruno Redondo, and Greg Smallwood. Uh, Felix Delep and Sana Takeda for best painter. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it, but I think that's that's a good chunk of the nominees. And uh, and we we loved we gave love to all those books or creators so, yay us and yay comics. How about that? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's that that that's tough voting this year. It is. It's going to be I mean, hard really... next year. Uh, the the oh, the Eisner's next yeah. Oh, the Eisner's next year is going to be Elvira and David Avalon and, and it's like <laughs> come on, yeah. running away with it. Yeah. I mean, normally there 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 are. There are plenty of years where, you know, you look at the nominees and you're like, well, that really may not have a chance of winning. And you kind of just know which ones are really that they're angling towards. But this year's tough. Yeah. And I mean, and any one of them in any of the categories, anyone that wins is obviously worthy of it and, sure. and deserving. But I mean, it's it's just it's it's crazy to try to vote on which one's someone's favorite out at, at of those nominees. And um, issue nine of I Hate This Place will be available um, the first week in June. So it's not done yet. Oh, it is? Yep. God, eight felt like a f- finale. New Arc, It kind of did. New Arc. Did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just, I okay, interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm here for it. That's good to hear. I assumed I just read the final issue. Well, there you go. Hey, everybody. 
Thank you for being here with us. We hope that you come back. I like Shatner. I'm in, infested with the Shatner. We hope you will come back next time because... Book of the Month. Yes. Book of the Month, I hope. Next time... Yeah, mystery Theater. Yes. Four issues. Rest of, in peace, Guy Davis. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel to be an asshole? I don't know. Ask Jason. Like, you need to ask me. Yeah. Um, book of the Month... Tarantula, Sandman Mystery Theater. Next time, in the meantime, go to a comic shop. Buy Elvira. Um, love your loved ones. Pet your pets. Eat some good old food. And say goodnight. Be excellent to each other. Got to do it. I, uh, I don't want to use the the warden again. I use the warden every week. Mm. Oh, snap. Well, while we're waiting for Deb to say goodnight, David... Uh, I I remiss I almost forgot to mention that I had the great pleasure of being uh, on the Comics Discourse 114 podcast on David. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, of course hosted by three of our good friends and uh, and all all people who have done our show before. You've got Mr. Brian Clark, Mr. Brian Newbery, and Mr. Hassan, uh, and they had me on for what I believe will be out next week, episode 33. We. We dove deep into cross-gen. How long does it take them to edit it? David. You listen, we actually talked about this after in, in their bonus content, in as much as they have some, uh, that you are a machine, that, that the average podcast takes days to put out. That's even if crazy yeah. talk. That's crazy yes. talk. Yes. That's what kills. It's not so much like, I think, as I understand it, uh, Hassan is the producer, mm-hmm. and so they record normally on and it was very sweet actually i was like oh you guys do tuesday and then they actually normally record on thursday but they were gracious enough to schedule tuesday for me because they knew that we do this thursday um but they normally record thursday but then hassan because of course he's a very busy corporate man with an important corporate job um has can on saturday usually take time to edit and get the episode right and publish it so that's why they pulled it out i think it comes out it's it's in my feed. You know, podcasts are like phone numbers. These I don't know when they come out. There's in my feed, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, there. I think their episodes usually come out either on Monday or Tuesday. So nice, nice. Well, thank them for babysitting Jason. <laughs> they were very kind and and is and is and on brand. They try and keep their episodes to one hour. We That's went for good. Two. That's we good. went for two. Oh, maybe they'll break it up. Well, yeah, I said that's hard to have me on and go an hour. So mm-hmm. this is true. It's all about yes. me, 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 and then oh, bro, and then, and then, oh, no. <laughs> no, you're just chatting it up, man. Listen, we talked about four books and cross gen broadly. Like you can't do that in an hour. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. I, I hear you. Favorite cross gen series? Pardon me. Do you have a favorite cross gen series? Yes. Negation. That was the collective favorite of the four we discussed. Yep. It's a fantastic series. Uh, if I had to pick second favorite, wow, that's tough. For me, it's Rune, Mystic, and Scion. Ruse. I'd have to. I'd have to go. Uh, Ruse. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I was going to Mystic and Scion. Yeah. I was going to correct you by saying Ruse, but uh, yes, Ruse. Why do you like Ruse? That's pulpy as hell. But you know, I love Sherlock. Though. Story. Yeah, yeah, I love Sherlock. Yeah, though. it's true. 
and and it's and the whole moonlighting. Um, yeah, you precisely. Know. Yeah. Yes. All right. Hey, everybody. Well, well, good for them for having having you uh, teaching you how to do podcasts. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> come back next time. We love you. Bring a sandwich, or we'll have one. It doesn't matter. Tell them you love them. Love you. I'm feeling pretty warm to them this week. That's good. Yeah. What a guy. It's like it's like doing public service. It's like picking up garbage at the side of the road. <laughs> we're we're doing we're we're just trying to help. We're out. doing the Lord's work. Yeah. The Lord's community work. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for that one. <laughs>